talking about parasites, I ended up getting the worst case of the shits <laughs> I've ever had in my entire life. I had vomiting and diarrhea, <laughs> and I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. So I had to do the entire trek, two and a half weeks from Lukla, <laughs> all the way up to Everest Base Camp, <laughs> vomiting and shitting 10, 12 times a day. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. We are we are on the go, we are on the road. I've just been spending some time in Piha this morning, this morning that I'm filming this intro. I actually was there for sunrise and, and kind of purposefully didn't take all the camera and stuff because I wanted to be there just for me. Uh, I tried to find a quiet spot because I like to do these intros in a reasonably quiet spot but but as it worked out it, it didn't work out so we're in the car we're driving we are making another plan you know that's very much part of my thinking if you've been around the podcast my podcast for a while you know it's like it's, it's not it's not everything or nothing there's always a bit of push and pull and I made the call we just got to keep moving we've got to keep doing we're going to keep being and and I mean this week's podcast does hint at that this this the way we look at things how much we can push our mind through the barrier and what even is that barrier I mean really think about it where is your barrier for your mind to push to push to go deeper to go further I think very few of us in life push to that edge and maybe rightly so I mean who really wants to push to the edge because that means you may fall off right and in our world it's not really valued I mean it's not really valued consciously subconsciously we're all about pushing to that edge we love Elon Musk for that exact point we love Indiana Jones Rocky Tomb Raider everything that pushes to that edge because these are examples of the ones who come back from that edge the ones who come back from pushing their minds to the limit my guest today Glenn Marvin has experimented with pushing his mind to the limit and we have a very fun and deep conversation about where that line is for him I mean here's a bit of a clue it involves <laughs> it involves Glenn pooing himself because when you push your when you push yourself to the limit you sometimes crap your pants that should be a t-shirt that should be a t-shirt when you push yourself to the limit you sometimes crap your pants but what an awesome way to crap your pants you know like who wants to crap their pants because they're scared of everything they're trying to protect I mean how about this you're gonna crap your pants so why not do it for something worth crapping your pants for man I thought I was gonna be all deep and philosophical I mean I kind of am but why do I have to add pooing your pants into part of it maybe that's exactly what blowing your mind blowing your pants means please blow my pants well that sounds a bit dodgy doesn't it okay Glenn Marvin joins me on the podcast so yeah I think I think we'll just get into it um I'll link to Glenn's kind of, uh, you 
know, contacts and social media. Uh, effectively, he helps people find what their limits are in the business space and, and to leverage a little bit of who you are yesterday and who you could be tomorrow. Uh, so it's really awesome to get to know him because, you know, I guess we're all trying to transfer a little bit of who we are into what we do. And I don't think those things automatically go together. You know, who we are is kind of what we should do, but I don't, you know, we, we don't live like that, you know? Who I am today, ask yourself, who am I today and is it what I do? It feels like they're two different conversations, but they probably, I don't know, question, they probably should be the same. I'm living my life in that way where I want to bring what I do closer to who I am and vice versa for all aspects of my life you know fun uh, pain uh, all of these things so enjoy the podcast with Glenn Glenn thank you very much for joining me on Please Blow My Mind look forward to many awesome chats over the years Uh, are there any other updates yes there are Uh, as of today I've finished potato diet so I'm still yet to record a podcast about potato diet but effectively this tied into the burpee challenge. So if you're very new here to the podcast, firstly, hello. For for the last 100 days or so, I did 100 burpees a day. And basically this taught me how to build the strength from the inside out, that when you try something as big as 100 of something a day, you realize very smartly and quickly that you can't do it that if the challenge is hard enough that you just can't go out there and do it. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter how much psychological willingness you have. I mean, I guess there's a point and Glenn covers it in this podcast, but my my point here is that there's certain realities and what you learn is to build slowly and to build up to something and this gives you a specific toolkit and that toolkit I learned uh, whilst doing my 100 days of burpees. So one of the toolkits was that by day 80 I was actually strong enough to try something a bit more extreme and I will elaborate on this in a potato diet podcast but uh, yeah for the for the last 14 days or 13 days of the 100 days I ate potatoes only and uh, lost like 7 kg and kind of learned how to go without because you know we gluttony we love just to feed ourselves Um, anyway so I'll expand on that more point being I am I am off the potatoes I've finished my burpees but I'm only just starting this is the other insight I I gathered from a hundred days of doing something consistently I'm 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 at the start line I have an opportunity to to build on something to add Lego pieces to this developing frame an idea of life so there we go team Uh, updates done intro done enjoy the podcast thank you all for blowing my mind welcome to please blow my mind with me will fleming please blow my mind whoa that's the goal brother get joy in your lives (laughs) every day i'm just simply looking to be one percent better every day i get it man (laughs) we're together on that that is mind-blowing we've got a work cut out for us it's the thing that inspires me to continue on everything happens and then we find a reason you just went deep we were talking about just before we kicked off though this idea of you know you i said you're training at the at the moment and you mentioned something like uh well what did you say because what i took away was that 
you keep hurting yourself or we keep getting to this point where we hurt ourselves and I relate to that because it's like I do nothing and then I want to do everything and for me I'm just trying to work through what does that what does that mean what am I what am I searching for you know I'm doing these burpees things at the moment and I'm very mindful that if I hurt myself on one day the rest of my hundred days becomes irrelevant and so I'm like I'm going into it knowing I have to kind of look after myself in the day to day so it's a very interesting prospect I mean we can go real deep in that well let's go let's 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 go real deep into that stuff um you know because I mean I, I hope that we can just leave all this in. You know, for me, this is this is awesome thing about podcasting is it's not like three, two, one rolling. Even though it looks like the external is that, but it's not. You know, it's like it's us just trying to work out what the hell's going on. Because I'm doing it every day, bro, with these burpees. You know, like last, well, not last night, because now I've been exploring this idea of I'll just load two hundred up on one day. I never thought that would be a thing. But it is, and it's kind of like, wow, that's another cool toolkit. I mean, that's probably the thing. Toolkits is what I've been exploring with. Like I was doing, I don't know, five sets of 20 the other night of burpees, and I was like, oh, you know, 20 is too much. 20 is too much. I don't want to do it. It doesn't make me fun thinking about 20. I don't like counting out 20. I like counting out two sets of 10. So I tried that, and I'm like, oh, that's okay. That was cool. I don't like 10 burpees now, so I said I'll, I'll count four sets of five. So I said to myself in the moment that, okay, I'm just going to do five burpees and now I'm going to do five more. And I thought, this is awesome because I'm just, it's, for me, it's like life was just about tricking myself to get what I needed to get done. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we think about that when we're training. I just, I mean, why do you keep hurting yourself when you're training? <laughs> That's a weird question. Have you ever been asked that, bro? Because uh, now I'm a 47-year-old man with right. a 27-year-old mind. True. I yeah. still think I can do it the way that I used to do it. And I'm yeah. slowly learning. Mm. Man, I've got to look after my body and my mind yeah. to be able to carry on doing the stuff that I love mm. doing. And I love doing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that... Um, so when you say... St- you mean like the long distance running? Because you, that's your gig, right? You like yeah. marathons. You, didn't you do a marathon in a tuxedo? Yeah. <laughs> like recently? I had a half last year in America, and there was we were going to catch that's up. Right, that's after, right. There was this time last year. Was it? Oh my god! Nearly. Gosh, that's scary. How f- that that means time's going quick. We um, actually no, it was later. It was just after. It was the week after the mosque shooting. Oh yes. I was feeling flat. Yeah. I was feeling low. I didn't want to run. Mm. And I woke up that morning and went, you know what? Okay. Mm. Let's just do something to spice it up. Really. Let's go back to my roots. Have a bit of fun. Yeah. I'm going to be miserable out there, so why don't I do something to change the mindset? It's like going getting a haircut mm. or putting on a nice shirt to go out for dinner. Mm. you got to do something sometimes to change the mindset, physically to change the mindset. Yeah. And so it's like putting on the little the little mm. superhero mm. outfit, right? Did it work that day, though? Hell Did you yeah. hurt yourself? No, I didn't hurt Not myself. That day. But had you trained? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> A half marathon, it's, it sounds banky, right? But a half marathon is, is not going overboard. And I, right. and I knew I needed to do it safely. Mm. So any, anything of these sort of, dis, anything of any distance, mm. right? It's all about calories in, calories out, yeah. and pace. Mm. You can go as long as you want, as far as you want, if you take your time and you have enough energy coming into the body. Mm. Simple math, mm. and then there's sleep. True. Are you a good sleeper? 
getting better. Meditations help massively. Really? Really? What, well, what kind of stuff are you, like, you know, I guess sleep's an interesting thing because you either sleep well, well, I don't know if this is true, I sleep well, and I, I can't really understand people who can't sleep well, right? So let's say there's a sizable amount of people out there listening who don't sleep well. What, what are some strategies that work for you? And what, what specifically in meditation? Well, for me, the not sleeping well thing is, is almost like this pattern interrupt. Yeah? You wake up in the middle of the night, um, and a hey, phone-free day's coming up, right? And for me, that was a big thing. Right. It's having the phone next to the bed. I'm sitting there for 20 minutes going, yeah. I'm thinking about stuff. And then I try and interrupt what I'm thinking about by mindless scrolling on book at social media. And then the next thing, an hour's gone by. And I go, well, now I'm actually really tired. Yeah. And I finally drift back off to sleep. So you got, that's like a pattern interrupt in regards mm. to you trying to stop thinking about that other stuff. So you use something else. But now what I've done is I go, well, I've woken up. I'm not going to go on my phone. I'm going to start meditating. And just by acknowledging all of those thoughts that are coming into my head, but not acting on them. Mm. I tend to fall asleep really fast. Really? So you just, you, when you say meditate, it is just that focusing in on actually what is happening right then and just being present, I yeah. guess, so you're not going back on autopilot, grabbing the phone because you've woken up. Mm. I And it, look, I, I, I'm no guru when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. I'm only just getting into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I have tried on and off for years to do this meditation thing mm. and it was frustrating as hell because I've got a mind that goes incredibly fast mm. and I think about a whole lot of different things and it just didn't seem to sync with this whole meditation thing I had this vision in my head that meditation was like this whole om moment <laughs> yeah. of a completely clear blank mind I'm yeah. in this beautiful space of transcendental whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and I would last about four seconds yeah. and then something else would pop into my head and I'd go Fuck. <laughs> and I'd go no no stop thinking about things yeah. and what I've come to learn and I use a technology hack to do it what I've, what I've come to learn is it's actually for me what works is just accepting the fact that my mind is going to wander right. but not following the train of thought Right. so I just acknowledge it, accept it and then come back mm. to whatever trigger I use to find stillness in my mind. Mm. And generally that's for me, it's either focusing on my breathing or focusing on something stupid like what, is the, what does it feel like, what does the breath feel like going through my nostril, mm. right? It's like a, a numb thought. Yeah. I sometimes wonder... You know, when I think about, you know, how, how life's moving and how we focus on bad stuff and good stuff and who are the good people today and who are the bad people, that it's pretty interesting that I'm, I'm not sure if my dad, let's say our dads, for example, would have had this type of chat. No. And I mean, I think though, to you know, my what's my dad, 70-something today, and he, he'll probably sit down and say, no, that's good, good on you for going out there and talking about it. But they had the capability they just didn't have the willingness or the maybe it was something like they didn't have the um, permission right to because it's nothing out there what we're talking about it's actually it's actually really logical it's it's kind of suggests that 
uh, you know, a bunch of things, right? That there's things going on without our um, control, and if we go on autopilot, open yourself up to different things. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, but it's just kind of all that is. It's kind of like what that generation said: like, I just want to know where I am and what's happening. That's all you're suggesting, eh? Mm. Isn't it weird how we frame things up differently, and and that we've somehow reached a point where. You know, that is a very positive thing, right? That we can sit down and it's by no... Even this, just the idea of us in the car park now, we're just two people doing it slightly different. And it's it's not panicking everyone too much because everyone's used to a bit of slightly different. I think maybe if it was... What's this version, you know, back in the 70s or 80s? And oh, yeah. And, and would people sitting in these two seats be worried about what those people mm. are thinking when they're looking at them from in their cars? Yeah. Uh, and that's I'm a, I'm a massive believer that we we do need to give less fucks mm. about yeah. what people think. Yeah, we need to care about other people, but we shouldn't care about what they think about us. Have you worked out? You know, you talked about the kind of mindfulness strategy. Do you have a strategy for giving less fucks? Because this is something that it haunts a lot of people. Eh? And I mean, I guess at a base level, we should try and work out why we give a. Fuck. Maybe it's maybe it serves us pretty mm. well, you know. Like you don't want to walk around with a uh, giant booger on your nose, so it makes sense that you kind of care enough. But it's like the balance is out, hey. We think everyone else is like so addicted to us, <laughs> but it's yeah. you know it's like we kind of have it warped in our minds, right? And maybe it's all the media that you can make a career on social media now, and you know it's it's been funny watching the the YouTubers maybe for the last two or three years where they've all gone through burnout because it's like yeah you're trying yeah. to capture life and it's life's intense so you're going to capture it good it, luck it's it's i think it's incredible and this is nothing new hmm. but it's it's incredible how social media the social media creates so much distance between people hmm. the one thing i've started doing recently I, you know i'm I'm not a massive. I'm not a massive public transport taker. I'm getting better, <laughs> but uh, I've been getting on the train going into Britomart Station uh, on a regular basis now. I've made a point of leaving my phone in my pocket, mm. and it's amazing looking around that train. And nine out of ten people will be head down mm. in their in their own little world, looking at their phones, earpods in. And I sort of go back and I think, what was life like mm. before Apple? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When um, well, they probably had could, apples. <laughs> yeah. When people would actually sit next to somebody and have a conversation. Yeah. 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 It's not hard to work out why everyone's feeling a bit more hopelessness today because because of that exact moment, right? Where mm-hmm. there's less there's less incentives. Like, you know, even the fact that we've used a kind of digital hack to meet each other right it's like we had to go through this whole procedure of first vetting if you like or virtue whatever that is on this internet thing mm-hmm. and then we could start scoping out oh that's a person so yeah it's weird but but i think life was probably like that you know like we always had distance and barriers to meeting people but but there's certainly a, this the permission we give each other with a podcast it's like oh cool okay so there is an expectation that we will eventually catch up and for me that's 95% of the excitement is to wonder what that person's like in real yes. life and, and they're, they're mostly the same and I'm thinking oh that's good that's a nice uh, that means that these digital things that are translating you on your side and me on my side 
kind of match up, but they just yeah, there's that missing bit, and I think we haven't quite interpreted what that missing bit is. It's obviously the humanity mm. between us. Well, let's face it. Connections mean nothing. Mm. Engagement means something. Mm. But relationships mean everything. Mm. So we need to use those mediums to take connections yep. on a journey through to face-to-face, mm. or at least pick up the damn phone, mm. or get on Skype, mm. or FaceTime, or yeah. whatever, and actually connect. Mm. Do you think that's an insight because there's a sizable amount of our youth that was off that type of technology? Do you think that, <clears throat> you know, in a few years when people are rolling around around our age, they'll be thinking like that? Is that a human thought, bro, do you think? Or is it something like that's just because we had time to meet people and jump on trampolines with no side walls? You know, like, what's the next generation going to come up thinking? Like, oh, this human-to-human stuff is overrated. Or, I don't know, you know, it's like... Scares me a little bit. Mm. Now, you know, we've both got kids, right? Yeah. Um... But I almost also we were talking a little bit before about that whole pendulum mm. in a different context. Mm. I'm always hopeful that the next generations coming through are going to see the negative side of what has been happening. You know, we're getting to the point of extreme, and there's already sort of mini movements pushing back. Mm. So will that mini movement become something much bigger, mm. and then they realise the importance of actual face-to-face contact and spending time investing in yourself not worrying about what everybody thinks it's not mm. all about TikTok and mm. um, all that sort of jazz so I don't know yeah, I don't know <laughs> yeah. but I love thinking about <laughs> yeah, it yeah man and we have to right we've been given this capacity to think whether it be through you know a grand plan or you know whatever a grand plan may be but I, I love it I love the idea that we have uh, I was listening to podcasts this morning on the way here it kind of was too much actually because I woke up late and I texted you and I said dude I'm going to be late sorry and you're like it's all good man and I was like oh good 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 pod- podcast guest today but it was a uh, Stephen Pinker talking about you know kind of AI and the nature of reality and all these things and uh, they were just basically talking about that um, they were just talking about how we you know, we're just so we're complicated, whatever we are, you know, and we're trying to replicate the brain, but whether we should be doing that in terms of AI, like there's no match between a human and uh, a train. Like a train does its thing and we do our thing. Yet there seems to be this desire to kind of turn what's in here digital, you know, and and there's just it's like we're too complicated. There's all these we're trying it with these algorithms and it's backfiring on us. You know, it's it's feeding the wrong people wrong things based off human whatever yeah. and and it's also it's uh, it can't when you if me or you say fuck, it doesn't know that we don't mean it like fuck you hmm. you know it thinks that but it's like ah, it's not raining yeah we can say it so i am totally guilty of getting to the point where i was trying to overcomplicate things mm. trying to get too clever in how i was doing it and yeah. Are you saying life in general? Life in general, yeah. right? Right. Um, there is all of this cool shit <laughs> that's out there, and it's like fucking magpie syndrome. We got to incorporate <laughs> that. I got to use this. I got to got that hack. All of these things are going to make make a lot my life easier mm. because I'm going to automate everything. And what gets lost is the reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent 
a good chunk of the last half of last year and you know even you know this year to date going through this whole process of stepping back mm. I believe it or not people spent a lot less time on social media <laughs> awesome. I went from posting every day to once a week maybe um, I'm back now <laughs> but I've found myself a little <laughs> and um, when it came down to it I, I just realised this whole thing of we need to focus on the reason, the purpose, and do we, we don't need to complicate everything along the way. There is mm. something beautiful in simplicity. And that sounds way deep. No, it does. You're, you're, you're going guru status now. When, when we actually boils down to, so what I do with, with my work, it's about helping people connect with their purpose, mm. figuring out what the people that they want to deal with need in life and then helping them get that message across mm. so that they can create a connection yeah how fancy do you need to get mm. because people by people and the more complicated you make it the more you throw in stuff that isn't humanized mm. then we're not stupid we mm. pick up on it yeah Right. Absolutely. Right. Get into all the email automation and all that sort of stuff you want. But unless you incorporate a human element, yeah, bro. it's sterile. I think there's something also relatable. You know, you talked about the, the mindfulness and, and the meditation um, when you wake up. I think we also need to do that with all this bombardment of advertising that comes at us because it's no surprise that we think Apple solves our life because we're actually told that subliminally. You know, like I'm, I'm staggered. I studied hypnosis for a wee while, and I'm staggered how many of these principles get kind of put on us. Mm -hmm. Even, even like in the um, in a fear-based way with say media, and they're kind of hypnotizing you by telling you all these things. Australia's burning, and the world sucks, and all of these things. So they're hypnotizing you, but the the key thing they miss that actual hypnotists do is hypnotist, hypnotist is supposed to release you from whatever happens afterwards yeah. so if you're a chicken you're supposed to be told you're not a chicken anymore Glenn otherwise the subconscious the bit the, the bit that hypnosis happens still thinks it's a chicken so you get this impending sense of doom because your thing thinks it's a chicken and you're just Glenn but I think the, the news in that has a part to play Apple they're like dum 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 they sh just have they should by law have to say but you're right um, what we said is just our thoughts see ya mm. you know and they don't so we just end up having this all this stuff in our head so it's awesome that you've reached this point and I'm so fascinated about that where you've got to say right man over half a year which actually isn't a long time but trying to re reprogram and recalibrate and it's a it's a giant task because it's them let's say the richest percentage of people who are the smartest about getting us to look at something against us in this human yeah. um, this human journey you know <clears throat> that's also why I'm so keen on getting back to my roots and getting back into my trail running and the mm. ultras and uh, dare I say it finding limits mm. again um, and stuff like that because there is just something about being in that environment where you are really freaking uncomfortable where you haven't necessarily been before that no technology is involved and no technology is going to help you get out of it it's yeah. just 
you against you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> that's, and that's 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 the worthy race, eh? Mm. That's such an interesting insight, bro. So growing up, I was pretty good at sports. Yeah. I was no rock star. Still am ultra freaking competitive. Mm. But it would, took me a long time to accept that I was never going to be up here. And I've come to accept that in business as well. Find your lane. Mm. And then, so for me, the reason I started getting into ultras is more that case of it's that it's that fight it's that battle against me not that battle against somebody else mm. i don't give a shit if i come in the bottom half of a of a race i'm never gonna be freaking scott jerrick or any yeah. of these top ultra runner sage candidate you know these guys that are just absolute training freaks mm. but the the battle that you go through when you're out there doing these things, the massive highs, the massive lows, the the blood, sweat, tears, and just bullshit you go through just to get to the start line. I I actually did a blog post about it a couple of years ago. About every business owner should run an ultra marathon mm. because there are so many parallels. You start off with this amazing epiphany and it's like, I'm going to do this thing. And you get super excited about it and you go balls to the wall. Like, I've made the decision. I'm going out there. You work your ass off. You put in the effort. You you get hiccups along the way. Stuff breaks. You go too hard. You don't know what the f*** you're doing. You've never done this before. You just think that you know what you're doing. You go and get some guidance from somebody. You get a running coach or a business coach or you buy a freaking online program. Mm. And you get to the start line and it's like that that first day when you open up that shop door or start your website. That rush on that start line and it's like, I'm gone, I'm go. That freaking start buzzer goes and Mm. you just fly out the gate like a freaking idiot <laughs> a million miles an hour running too fast and you get to a point where you you run ahead of your resources so in, in, in the ultras you run out of nutrition you haven't taken on enough water in business you've, you've taken on too many clients and you haven't got enough staff you've spent too much money you've run out of cash flow <laughs> and you go fuck <laughs> You get to this point where you're like, I haven't been this far before. And then you start self-doubting yourself. Wow. I was like, as soon as you... So my first ultra, I got 42 Ks. I was like, man, I am on fire. 45 Ks. I still had 15 Ks to go. I was doing a 60 K. It was Kepler um, challenge down in town now. 45 Ks. I was broken and ready to cry and go home in a ball because my mind had said, you've never gone this far before, how are you going to go the rest? And that's, that's the beauty for me is how do you get to that, to that finish line when you've never been there? Mm. How, do you, how, do you, how do you manage yourself through those, those massive highs? Where, and, and where the hell do they come from? I just, mm. it's, it's, it's astounding how... In those ultras, in business, one day, and in one moment, you're on top of the world. Mm. Everything feels amazing, and everything is so clear. You're full of energy, 
and then in a blink of an eye something goes and it's mental or in business it might be one supplier or one whatever and your world around you is crashed and you're thinking you're just chucking it all and it's all too hard two days later you're back again wow an ultra sounds so just what is an ultra so it's just technically anything longer than a marathon so they they generally say 50 k's or above yeah um so there's there's 50 there's 60k races in new zealand there's 80k races in new zealand there's 100 k's there's 100 milers yeah there's 200 k races yeah uh, a couple of years ago, I did a 330k from Jeez. Mount Cook to Omaru, the Ops to Ocean Ultra. Yeah. That's a multi-day, which is slightly different again. But do you, um, do you do that by yourself? Is there's 100 another 20 other nutters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was another eye-opener as well. All right, that's I got 300k's into it last day. I couldn't walk, so I did the last 30k's on crutches. Did you? 30Ks on crutches. Are you... What are you thinking? That's a Goggins moment. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a book. <laughs> what, what are you thinking when you're... I guess, is there thinking or is there just crutch, crutch, crutch? Is it embarrassing? Is it empowering? Is it... Are you conscious? Empowering. Yeah. And is, you know, you... Man, it took like eight and a half hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you still go through that whole gambit of emotions, but most of the time it's just, um, how do you fill in the time, <laughs> to be honest? Yeah. And it's, that's, that's the, oh, the other beauty about it is it's, mm. it's that whole technology-free thing. I'm just, that was my meditation. Yeah. It's, you got to, the first, I say to everyone, right, when you start running, it's just the most miserable thing that you can possibly ever want to do. Yeah. Why on earth would anybody take up running? Mm. Because that first 20 minutes, first 30 minutes or whatever, your body doesn't want to do it, your mind's all over the place, and it's just miserable. Mm. But then the body turns around and goes, oh, all right, I've started moving. I've started allocating resources to the right area. The mind clears all of those negative thoughts, and you hit these purple patches where you're like, wow. Now I can start processing some mm. of that junk in my brain and start thinking about some real things that are important and yeah. I can make decisions. Some of the best decisions I've made in life and in business have randomly formulated when mm. I've been just out on the road. What's the... And, you know, I, when I ask a question, bro, I don't really mean for you to answer. I think I'm just trying to, like, process in real time because we're talking about some pretty awesome stuff here. You know, I'm thinking things like when you're talking about these ultras or, or doing something hard, maybe that it's like running a mini life simulation. You know, when you talk about running ahead of your resources, note to me when editing this, that might be a great name for the podcast. Um, but that's that's a hell of a concept. You know, this feels like what we go through in life. Yeah. That it's not that we're that far away. We're just a bit out of puff, but we're misinterpreting it as you know you're too unfit or you shouldn't be here and all of these things trigger the butterfly effect in us right Mm -hmm. and that's over like uh the scary thing is you're describing it over like just a couple kilometers which might be a couple weeks a couple Mm. years how we extract it out but it seems like the constant and and you know help me articulate this is it something like the number one paramount thing is just keep going 
finish that race. And as you get older and wiser, um, and I will have to you know, eat humble pie on this because I was always this massive believer of nah, the Goggins effect, right? Of nah, the mind will get you through. It doesn't matter. It's just a matter of toughing it out and getting there. But you will break. Mm. At one point, you will break. Mm. And so there's, yep, you just need to keep going. But on the flip side, just like in life, those that achieve consistent and ultimate success are those that put the time and the effort into themselves beforehand. Mm. So consistently investing in whether it's in the in, in the running side of it, consistently investing in the training, mm. um, researching your nutrition, yeah. actually working on developing your core and all of those things mm. that support your legs. All I did was run. Yeah. And I paid the price. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, th- I think we can, you know, sometimes I find it easier to take the metaphorical out of physical like training yeah. and bring it back to life. And so that makes total sense, right? Like we're going after being entrepreneurs and being podcasters and being all these things. And we're just getting outside and running. And we've just, all we've done is arm ourselves with awesome shoes. Yeah. And we think that's enough, eh? But we've forgotten that there's the inside. And I, I guess that's one of the insight insights I've got from burpees is that it, it, trying to do 100 a day it doesn't matter who you are it's first going to work out it being the burpee itself can can the core flick the legs out and in and if it can't it'll give you all the pain there and what I learned for the first five days my body couldn't do it mm. even though I'd played years of footy and all that for some reason I never needed that Yep. and so all it taught me was I had to get down to the ground and up a hundred times and that sucked and that was humbling and that was that was actually gross, you know, like I hated going to the ground and up. And then, you know, I mean this sounds cheesy, but over time, you know, you could do more and more and more and now, you know, like I say, my strategy is I just want to say five in my head, hmm. even though it's 20, even though it's 30, even though it's 40. And, and my next barrier, believe it or not, is like, okay, so I can do 50 in a row now so how do I get to 70, 80, 90? I want to do 100. I want that to be my party trick where the fat guy in the corner can do 100 burpees and I can bet people. Yep. That's what I want to go to a party. I bet I can do a, How many burpees can you do? And someone will say, oh, more than you. And then boom, I can mm. knock out 100. But, but that's just how I find it interesting because all of these things are happening in my head. All of these little mini toolkits have emerged and I want to be able to say, you rip them over into real life. You know, that just because I want to start a podcast studio or do A, B, and C, it doesn't mean that that's a hundred of something. And I've got to start by just getting to the ground and up, yep. ground and up. And then we can, the, then it's not, the, then it's not the, the Goggins effect, it's mm. the Hillary effect, mm. right? That's when ordinary people can achieve extraordinary things. That's one of my favorite sayings from him. You know, I always think our sayings need a little, just one more little bit. You know, it's like that. You know, what is it? Ordinary people can achieve extra, extraordinary things if you just keep going or something yeah. like that. You know, I, I, I've been lately thinking about this idea. You know, we get a bit of a kick out of saying "keep going" or "it'll you'll get there in the end." You know, that's quite a common thing you hear. You know, just keep going, be consistent. They say it about online: be consistent, you'll grow followers. I've started to think the bit that we're forgetting is, you know, there's no guarantee. And as soon as I work that out, 
that just because you want it, doesn't matter how much you want it, doesn't matter how many, how many things people have told you, you can have this, that if you just work hard, you know, it's, it's not rocky, you know, we don't, not everyone gets there. I like to put in my mind that there's a million Indiana Joneses that got run over by the big boulder. And actually, when you say to yourself, it's more likely that you won't make it, that doesn't, it's not saying don't try. No. It just means it's okay if you don't make it, because that's part of it. That's, that's Life happens, man. Yeah, man. You go down Broadway and Newmarket, mm. and that street is constantly littered with people's dashed dreams. Every time you see a for lease sign in a retail shop, that's mm. probably somebody house, somebody's house that they've lost. Mm because they've opened those stores up with their hopes and dreams and their aspirations and every cent that they've got has gone into it and they've probably gone too far, too long, too hard and they've lost everything. Yeah. Um, and that's, unfortunately, that's that's what life does to us. Yeah. And that would be without social media, it would be just as hard. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing, right? Or I, I shouldn't say social media. I've been thinking about it like we, we say we're addicted to phones and I don't think... I don't think we hate addiction enough because addiction is awesome sometimes. I'm a former smoker. Smoking was awesome. Like, I know it kills people, but in the moment, I loved smoking. And I still think about smoking as cool. I think I think about it so cool, even though I don't smoke, that I think they probably wouldn't have landed the person on the moon, the man on the moon, if they weren't all smoking. Because what I remember smoking... <laughs> smoking what? Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing too, right? Yeah. Is that we're all heading back in that direction too, where it's about you know psychedelics and all these things, and we're about to vote on this weed mm-hmm. thing. But but smoking gave you two minutes just to go outside and puff, and chat, and figure through something not actively. With then we threw that out with the you know the bathwater, and we never replaced it. So now people rolling around, but extra tense. And how many of these moments where we used to go outside for a ciggy, now we say take a ten minute break. But that doesn't mean sh- you know. The Siggy represented something. So anyway, I have a small soft spot. Even though the ninety-nine percent of the is like yuck, it kills you and it's horrible. I'm not. I'm. I don't think we hate addiction enough. So I've started thinking about social media. Do you vape? And, nah. Because I look at vaping and nah. I was like, dude, if you go and are going to go outside and look like a dick, just, yeah. just light up a just cigarette. Because guarantee you, in five years' time, they're going to say that sh- kills you too. Oh, and I think they already have. <laughs> you know and. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. I tried it because a few friends do it, but no, nah, I'm not a fan. It looks like too much comes out. It's too much of an effort, you know? <laughs> like, the, if you sit there for more than five seconds with a puff of smoke, too much. Anyway, I probably spent too much time right. on it. My point being, I think we should look at, uh, let's say, technological addiction as a parasite because we hate the idea of something growing in us. It's a gross thought, having that worm, you know? From a young age, I remember mm-hmm. kind of wrestling through... Remember ringworm? Like, yeah. I'd look at it, you play footy, and you get this little ring, and it's it's even gross how it grows in a circle. And you're like, yuck, and then you put the cream on, and it goes away. And you're, you're like... I mean, I know that we have to live with life, and it's full of gross things. And, you know, if you don't touch the dirt, that when you're a kid, it kind of affects you as an adult. And if you don't eat peanuts... Everyone gets allergies and, you know, all of that stuff. But if we think about this stuff as a parasite, I think we can then start thinking, oh, yeah, it is parasiting to us. It, like, sits in our pocket next to our hip. You know, it comes into our hand. It's on your hand when you're holding your kid. You know, it's all of these things. Mm-hmm. And and a parasite, you can't just stop. It doesn't matter how much Glenn wants to stop the parasite. If that parasite's in you, 
you got to find another way to get it out, right? And then so I haven't quite thought through the full way of how do you get rid of that parasite. Maybe an ultra is an awesome way. Just burst out of that. It's, it sweats out of you. I think the... <laughs> sounds like I'm a CrossFit ultra running vegan. <laughs> um, you know, what a combination. Yeah. Um, you just, you've just achieved status in the world yeah. if you are. Yeah, maybe I should get on Instagram more then. <laughs> yeah. um, but there is one race that I ran that completely, completely opened my eyes. And this is getting full circle right back to that Goggins stuff, right? Mm. And in around how powerful the mind is over the body. And so 2009, 2009, Jesus, yeah, 2009, I went to Nepal, and this is the Hillary stuff as well, right? And Everest, well, we're tying it all in nicely now. That's what happens. So I chat. had this dream of running the Tenzing Hillary Everest Marathon, mm. right? So put some context on that. It starts at Everest Base Camp, 17,500 feet, whatever, 5,000 metres. Oxygen is at, is 50% of what it is down here at sea level. Mm. And it is every step you take is just an effort. So I went over there. I'd raised a whole bunch of money for an orphanage in Kathmandu, and I stayed with them and volunteered with the kids for a while beforehand. Uh, this is this is a, actually this is almost a John Maybury story. <laughs> um, the night before we checked in for the race, where it takes two and a half weeks just to trek to the start line, climbing up. The night before was the leaving party for one of the um, other volunteers at the orphanage, and we went out on one of the biggest benders I have had in my entire life, where I ended up at, I don't know, five, six o'clock in the morning in some back alley casino with the local mafia playing blackjack, drinking whiskey. And it was mayhem. I turned up to race registration, drunk as a skunk, as this weird Kiwi. What I didn't realise is that in my drunken state during the evening, I must have eaten a whole bunch of just random crap. Uh, and that, in essence, if I'm talking about parasites, I ended up getting the worst case of the shits <laughs> I've ever had in my entire life. I had vomiting and diarrhea, <laughs> and I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. So I had to do the entire trek, two and a half weeks, from <laughs> Lukla all the way up to Everest Base Camp, <laughs> vomiting and shitting 10, 12 times a day. Really? Really, I lost 12 kilos in two and a half weeks. I had zero energy. And I wouldn't have even got out of bed if I was back here in New Zealand. But mm. you pay all that money, you go all that way, and the mind takes over. And he's like, you know what? I'm not, nothing is going to stop me from doing this thing. Um, and we got got to the point where you know you start off and you're like oh sorry I need to go to the toilet and you mm. wander down the trail and you find this little <laughs> spot and you cover it all up and everything like that three days in you know it's like two steps to the side of the trail chuck your guts up come back and you got 
hikers coming back down from the other side and they're just looking at you going, yeah, I know, I've been there, mate, I've been there. <laughs> and um, That's a hard case. That, that race took me nine and a half hours. I was stupid, right? But the mind just took over. There was there, there just there was no way there were, it just wasn't even conceivable mm. that I wasn't going to do it because when when it comes down to it I was at Everest Base Camp there's 42 k's to the finish line there isn't an alternate route they don't get helicopters up there so just mm. guts it out mm. do it wow. take your take your pain pills <sighs> for me going through that made all of these other things like it can never be that bad so take a concrete pull mm. get on with it do it and so that mindset shift in regards to what actually is achievable was was massive and that for me was the big crux in, in going yep I've got no problem going into business now I've got no problem taking a risk I've got no problem entering a 100k race now because nothing can ever be as hard as that was. But how do you get over the hurdle, though? The bit that I get stuck on is, like, I'm all good walking around with crap in my pants. Mm -hmm. But when when my ideas um, maybe mean that the others that surround me, because life's somewhat a a team game, even Mm -hmm. though there's definitely player one aspects to it, um, let's just say take a family right so you got uh, traditionally I go to work so I can provide yep. a certain amount for everyone else and it's it's just the thought of not being able to do that which is enough to deter me you know from the safety net mm. you know that I that, that we all get addicted to right I'm and I know most of history there's been no safety net. And I know actually for most of the world there is no safety net that we enjoy. But for some reason I'm not willing to fight enough for that. And I know there will be some treats even though I'll poo my pants and like you probably get hammered and eat something wrong and spend two weeks with the runs, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. But you just got to keep going. But it's just one, it's a hurdle to get over that the mind sometimes doesn't want to. I think we all need to be addicted to something. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah, we all have this innate need to, and this desire to want that thing, whatever that thing is. Um, you know, I might, I, I went through some shit as a kid. Mm. My teens, I was pretty much depressed. My twenties, for me, was all about drugs and booze, yeah. um, and some of the best years of my life. Um, traveling the world, doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, with whoever I wanted. And my 30s were about growing up. And um, 30s was a lot of success, but I was bored. Mm. And it was really only late 30s and early 40s where I found that whole thing about... It's it's about replacing that addiction with something else that's a positive one. Mm. And that's what the trail running and ultras for me was. And it's, oh, it's, for me, the addiction is the uncomfortableness. Because if, like, I never took heroin, um, but I can, I can imagine, right, and 
fucking don't ever take meth. <laughs> um, that high, whether it's an ultra runner or whatever, when there is something that you thought was impossible that you have never done before, that high, when you cross that finish line, all of that pain, all of that suffering, all of that bullshit, it just disappears for that little moment of, it's, it is pure ecstasy and the raw emotion. When I finished that Alps to Ocean race, 300 and whatever Ks, 30 Ks on crutches, I crossed that finish line and it was one of the most incredible moments of my life and I just burst into tears. I was, and then all the, you know, everything just collapsed. I was, I was on the ground, I couldn't freaking move, but I was the happiest I had been and like, it was just this sheer elation. That's that moment. That's that little hit. It's like mainlining. So <clears throat> where my addiction is, the, is your fear. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to put myself into that place where I might not, I might break myself and not being able to provide for my family. You know, maybe I'm at that slightly more dangerous end of, I need that little hit. Mm. I need to put myself in that position where I'm, I'll, I'll fail because it's that, it's that little hit of yeah. when I do have that little success, that outweighs the risk. Mm. I'm registering it. I'm registering it. I'm listening carefully because, well, there's a couple areas I'm thinking about. One is if you're into podcasts, you're most likely kind of gone through the thinking pattern of psychedelics mm. and I haven't personally done that but it's something I've been dabbling with right because I want to know is there something that I'm not seeing that could help give me the bravery right and mm-hmm. it is a bit of trust going into something like that and there's it's no joke so there's a reason that the cultures have used it right it's probably part of the reason we totally. are like we are but it's that risk again there's no guarantee that you take that mind-blowing stuff that you come back and so you know there's the fear it's like business but well, the there's uh, a whole bunch of stuff look there's there's a whole bunch of stuff for all sorts of different trains of thought yeah. and around sort of but you know there are people with PTSD that are getting mm. saved mm. using psychedelics I just think that when you talk about the ultra, it sounds like the experience that I've heard people talk about on psychedelics. Mm. It's the pissing, it's the pooing, it's the, it's the I'm over, I'm in. Mm. And it's just a condensed version of it, you know? Like I spoke to a fellow who went to the hills of Peru and took the, was it ayahuasca? And, you know, basically spent a day crying, pooing and spewing. Yep. But for me, it was sounded like a shedding of a skin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same what you're talking about. You literally shed a skin. And so you, cu- you come back. If, if you come back, you're a slightly different version, you know? And yeah. it, it is that mind-blowing thing. So, And, and actually... My only advice for people that are thinking about doing that mm. is take somebody who you know and trust implicitly with you that is not going to take the psychedelics mm. to keep you safe. Yeah. Well, I'm actually saying... I'm not sure if I will take a psychedelic mm. because I think there's enough in life that you don't have to. Yeah. It's just the long option, you know. That's a, a jiu-jitsu guy told me that, a Brazilian fellow, black belt, and he said, I said, do you need to take, because, you know, you're pretty out there, dude, and did you take psychedelics? He said, no, but 
I'm trying my whole life goal is to achieve that level of psychedelic insight through this world and I was like ah that's a that's an interesting take because mm. it doesn't mean it's any less risky you know and 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 whatever but um yeah I'm not I'm not sure where that journey will end up for me I I'm one yeah what I love about the physical element of those other things is it's always you that's in control yeah well see there's a perceived control though right because you're really out of control like you couldn't control your bowel how that all turned out but you can control how you react to it yeah and when I don't know I'm not against people taking drugs yeah no no I I hear you but is that going to stop the control mechanisms that you have yeah that could be a good thing if your control mechanisms are too controlling and you need it to actually open open mm. it up mm. but take personally I'm now of this mindset of take the longer harder route yeah because it'll have longer better yeah um, consequences for you yeah no I I, I think I'm on, I think I'm on the same page and isn't it a hell of a time where we actually are having a legit chat about psychedelics yeah <laughs> You know, again, go back to our dads. Imagine them sitting mm. here like, nah, mate, don't touch that stuff. Yeah. I know somebody that never came back. And bloody too right. Like, that's some, you're playing with fire, eh? Mm. But some people, it may be exactly what they need yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, they yeah. can't yeah. go down this other route. But I think there needs to be a conversation because, like you say, in the correct circumstances, like we don't let anyone just drive a car. No. If you did, you're most likely to screw it up. But yep. you go through the training, you go through the thinking, you go through the patterns, and all of a sudden you drive a giant ton around, and you can do it. Mm-hmm. And everyone does it nicely. But you see the consequences, eh, if you take your eye off the ball or don't watch the road. or So, yeah, man, it's, um, there's, no, there's no one way, eh, bro? It's just, it's just trying to suss it out, and it's a bit about what we're doing now, kind of transferring a bit of time between each other and, and spending a bit of time with yourself. And I don't know if all of the phones and stuff and all our connection online got turned off, we'd obviously be fine, right? Because yeah. it just it's just would take a bit longer. Things would t- you'd have to start writing letters again. My business would be fucked if it all got turned off. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the distinction that I have learned is. All of this technology, we should be using it as a conduit. It isn't the solution. It's a conduit to facilitate relationships. And relationships shouldn't be purely online. Yeah. Is it comparable to a set of running shoes? They're no more, it's no more than a pair of shoes. Most of the work is what we said before. It's the core, it's the nature, it's the insights. But we treat it when you don't think about it properly, like the running shoes is the main bit of me getting out there, and you end up hurting yourself because you put the focus in the wrong area. Yep. Have I gone too deep? No, not at all. And if we want to use the carry on down that analogy, it's not just the running shoes, it's where you take those running shoes. Mm. Every platform, every channel is different, and it's not right for everybody. So, um, as much as I love running, I am not a fan of road running and road races. I have to train on the road sometimes. But I think there is a very, very different mindset between people that race on the road and those that are trail runners and ultra runners. If you are doing a road race, 
it is incredible. I think it's an there's generally, in a very broad brush, much more of a selfish competitive mindset of I just need to be in front of those other people there is virtually no chit chat mm. um, with most of those road runners unless you're a tail ender um, and stuff like that whereas in the trail running community you can have some of the elite runners at the front of the pack having banter along the way talking about life mm. I have gone for a trail run with somebody that I had never met in person before and within 20 minutes of being out there on a single track trail in the middle of nowhere we are sharing our deepest darkest secrets talking about life that and that actually matters and I don't know what it is that makes it that way and I think maybe it's not the outdoors Maybe it's the type of people that are attracted to the environment means that they're more open to talking about those sorts of things. I do think that ultra runners in general have suffered in their lives because they've learned to suffer. So the ultra piece is not as much of a challenge as somebody that hasn't had suffering in their lives. Mm. They haven't been through depression, you know, massive bouts of depression or uh, overcome like massive challenges in their lives where it's it's had a bad impact on them. So it's it's a little bit like that Everest marathon mm. thing of going into that ultra race it's like they can draw on those learnings like Goggins right the only reason I think he is this incredible machine is because he had the shittest upbringing that anyone could ever possibly want mm. he 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 talks about how weak he was but all of that and I wouldn't advocate anyone going through what he went through as a youngster but that that calloused his mind before he even yeah. knew that it had yeah he had all of that to turn into energy to fuel his self-drive of giving purpose. Mm. If we've had it cushy, you know, you know, we've got some kids, two of our kids are at private school, and the one biggest thing I worry about private school with kids, we, we, we're creating soft kids that yeah. get given things and they don't understand the value of failure. Mate, you have put your thumb on one of the most interesting things that we're going to have to deal with, mm. which is a generation or two ago, they suffered so hard, all they wanted was harmony. Yeah. And as it turns out, that harmony brings with it some risks that we never knew. The softness. Yeah. The... the unknowingly not having calluses hurts you differently it means when you finally do pick up that obstacle you don't have the barrier of skin mm. and you end up yeah it's and that's what technology does for us as well yep yep you know the the easier things are to do the more we take it for granted the harder it is for us to actually deal with those situations when we don't have those things at our at our disposal mm. yeah well, it makes us make bad decisions too, mm. or uninformed decisions because you're not. You, it makes. You know, I want someone 
to who's going to make a decision to have actually been through a bit of crap because <laughs> yep. they're drawing on that experience mm. right like if you're going to advise someone to you know go do that um that trail you did you know you'd probably say hey don't get hammered the night before i have an insight i have an insight yeah well that's also what i like about this podcasting forum right for all of its for all of its freedom it comes with some responsibility of actually trying to suss out what do we want to say and how do we want to say it and it's scary man because some of the things we talk about we haven't really articulated very deeply mm. so it can get us into a bit of crap too right it's like oh so what are you guys actually saying you think everyone should do psychedelics no 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 no. but what we're saying is everything's an option so mm. be, be wary be wary and, and yeah I mean if it's the start of a discussion yeah I think as long so. as there's two sides to a discussion, one mm. thing that social media is terrible at mm. is allowing those with the loudest voice to be amplified. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's forcing us to, you know, it's something I've been thinking about. Everything now, it feels like everything has to be so purified. Mm. And I'm, that's the thing I'm scared about at the moment is life's not pure, man. It's messy. Like, like I said, you know, the bacteria and mud's good for you to a level. You know, you actually need it. You know, the you need to not be clean all the time. You know, remember we started using those uh, clean things on our hands, the mm. little creams? Yep. And all of a sudden, warts were popping up on people. It backfired because mm. it's not supposed to be so clean. You know, you're supposed to walk on the grass with no shoes sometimes. And I, I uh, heard an astronaut talking about space the other day on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he said, he said something like... Um, when you go up for 90 days, if you come back with 3% less bone density. And he just said, uh, well, we worked out why. It's obviously because you're not using it. So now they just do heavy weights in space. But when they first started going up, they didn't have the gear to do it. And So how do they do heavy weights in space? Is it like resistance yeah, training as yeah. opposed to the actual weight? Yeah, sorry. Weight's probably a wrong word, eh? Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So they just had more machines which provide more force on you. But he said they, they did reps. Now they do lower reps and Higher resistance. But I thought to myself, well, he said something. He said, uh, he wonders what happens if you wouldn't do that. What would what would you eventually become? Because you, you don't use your legs in space, so your arms pull you around. And I thought, man, we are doing that. We're, we're evolving ourselves into something else now. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have these human connections. We sit down all day. We have this algorithm driving us. The evolution's happening. And I thought, man, that's a, it's, it's an interesting point because we really should be enforcing some level of lifting something, you know, because if you don't use it, you lose it and something else replaces that. And I'm not sure because of the nature of evolution, it happens over time if we can even see it. But we can see it definitely because, like, statistics say people are unhappier than they've ever been, taking lives more. Something's desperately wrong, right? And yeah. I wonder... And I'm certainly not trying to say this would solve everything, but just get to the damn floor and up again once a day. At least your knee gets used for this <laughs> instead of sitting, yep. you know? Get your thumb to thumb up someone instead of using it to push upload. Um, Got to do something, eh? Uh, a comfortable life leads to depression. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Um, wrap it up here, yeah, bro, man. but I think... You know, let's just say it'd be good to have a rolling series of conversations because this is this is I, I like talking. Yeah. It's good fun, even though Cornwall Park came along and tried to silence us. No, I'll probably leave this all in. So, hi Cornwall Park. Sorry I didn't apply for the thing. I'll I'll do it on Monday.
Or maybe I won't. I'll just put it online. You can block me. Um, nah, good work, team. Kind of. Hey, uh, do you have a mind-blowing moment that um, kind of influenced your thinking, that helped you uh, kind of, you know, I talked about that kind of shedding of the skin. Do you have a, a moment where you kind of went through or thought about that Glenn, a new version of Glenn emerged? I mean that shareworthy, you know, because this question makes people go deep within, and I don't want it to go too deep. I just keep on coming back to that one race. That one race. Um, Is it the crutches one? Forty no. The the Everest Marathon. Right. Shitting, vomiting for nine and a half hours during the race for two and a half weeks leading up to it. Lost twelve kgs, and it just absolutely reinforced how powerful our minds are because I didn't get there through physical effort I got there through my mind telling me that I had no other option and I had to complete it and if we can take that into and that going back to Goggins right there's always extremes but if we can take that just a little bit of that into our everyday life it gives us perspective where we can turn around, we can look at the situation that we're in and we can go, you know what, I'm just going to acknowledge where I am and I need to ask that next question. What do I need to do to take that next step? It's mm. an awesome insight, bro. Where can people follow you if they want to track your journey or uh, watch you on your next adventures? Yeah, so most people are connected with me on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, search for Glenn Marvin. There's not too many of us out there. Um, or they can go to my website which is connector with a K K O N N E C T O R dot co dot N Z awesome thanks for blowing my mind brother nice to finally meet you Uh, we talked a lot of things today we talked um, random random but kind of kind of worthy right we're Mm. talking talking some deep heavy stuff and I like it. I like thinking now, you know, because that's the thing people don't realize about a podcast is that I'll take all these ideas on and they sit with you and they fester. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the kind of concerns I have is that I'll get too many of these ideas and I don't know which. I'm trying to extract all these bits and put them into my life. And I think they are happening, actually. I mean, you know, like the whole burpee thing. And tomorrow I start 15 days of eating potatoes only. <laughs> So I haven't really revealed that anywhere. It's good if you're still listening on the podcast. Um, and if you haven't listened to the Gareth Edwards episode, the yep. second interview with yep. Gareth Edwards, go yep. back and listen to that because yeah. that's something that I we didn't talk about yeah. that was really important is when you've achieved something, yeah. what do you do when you fall off that cliff? Mm. Do you know his next adventure, Gareth? No. So he is, uh, I'm going to film a documentary on him. He's doing 60 hours flipping that tyre. So it's called 60 for the 60. So 60 dudes take their life every 60 minutes statistically. So he's going to flip a tyre for 60 hours. And I said, he came to me one day and he said, will you f- do help me with my media stuff? And I said, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't really have that much experience with it. But I'll film you because I think it's an awesome documentary. But here's what I reckon the story should be. 
you're going to push yourself to the absolute edge. Mm. And I think that's comparable to where people get to in their mind, where they push themselves. So I said, I'll only film you, bro, if you have some a couple people there on the day who can pull you back from the edge. Because I'll film you all day when you're crumbling, pooing, mm-hmm. weeing. I think it's going to be like what you went through. Like, you're going to go through some psychedelic stuff. Uh, I imagine him is going to be on the edge of the abyss, and he's going to need a bit of help getting back. Again, we talked about the, you know, the Indiana Jones, and there's no guarantees. Just because it's an awesome top-line idea get sponsorship to all the stuff 60 hours of flipping a 94 kg tire is no joke yeah so i'm interested of the insights he'll get but man i think it's going to be one hell of a, a journey so there's another guy maybe we should all um he might need you there for a couple of hours because you've got some insight yeah. into pooing and weeing and, <laughs> and pulling yourself back okay we'll wrap it there bro but um until next time definitely thanks brother cheers bud Hot mom, hot mom, hot mom, hot mom, hot mom.